You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I dropped an amazing episode with Dom Grimao of The Last Felony, Ion Dissonance, and Cryptopsy. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! up we are back with another episode of the x-man podcast i'm your host doc coil thanks for checking out the show and uh i am reporting to you from from the road yes it's the first time i have been on tour in two years almost almost within the week actually bad wolves last tour was with Megadeth and Five Finger Death Punch and ended February 20th, 2020. And now we're about a week into March, into 2022. And it's going great. It's going absolutely great. Let's um let's talk about this real quick. Uh <laughs> but anyway, anyway, there's just to let you guys know, there's no guest today. And there was no show last week. So I was just so wrapped up with everything preparing for this tour in terms of rehearsing and just gear and moving things and just getting everything ready it was it was quite a monumental undertaking so i apologize i apologize for not having a show out last week but here i am i'm i'm going to see if i can talk to some of the guys on the tour maybe get one of the Papa roach guys or hollywood and dead fellas on the on the on the show it would be nice they are wonderful but anyway so so as you might think there was a lot of anticipation going into this tour as it would be the first show and first tour with our brand new singer Daniel DL Laskowitz and yeah man there there was I felt like there was just a lot of pressure on us to perform and to have things go well because when you replace a singer there's just a big question mark and I think through the rehearsing and everything like basically we we rehearsed a lot. We prepared a lot. We really put a lot of work into the show and we upgraded all of our gear and our in-ear setup and our whole chain of how everything uh, gets done. And we knew kind of almost from, from day one that that end of things was going to be an advancement. Um, but you know, I saw just rehearsing every day with DL every day he got a little more confident, a little more comfortable. And so kind of by the time that the show day happened, I, I knew it would be good, but I, I guess at that point it wasn't whether we're going to be good. It's like, are, is the crowd going to respond? I mean, I think there's this idea in your head of who you are as a band. Do we've gotten so much hate from people 
that were supposedly our fans, you know, you you have to ask yourself the question: Are will they still be there? Because you, until you you experience it, you just don't know. And I can say, pretty much hands down, it was a great response. You know, you're looking at the crowd; people are singing along. Um, they're loud. There, there was like a Bad Wolves chant before we we went on stage. I mean, it was. And I guess for us, I guess it's as almost as close as a quote unquote hometown show as, as we could get. So you you just felt an extra amount of energy and anticipation and, and we were all excited and and just whatever thing that was built up to, to kind of get to that point really expressed itself in that in that first show. And we have an incredible sound guy, Ross Landis, who kills it. And you know, we got some new stage stuff with these uh these cabinets with our logo on it and we didn't run our backdrop that day, but our, the, what is on our backdrop, which is the wolf head from the new album runs on a video screen. And with the lights in the house of blues, there just looked absolutely incredible. So just seeing the pictures and the videos and people posting things, it was like, it was pretty, it was pretty un- unbelievable, you know? Um, and to some degree it like, kind of brought around this this journey man that we've that we've been through and kind of in in many ways like me not knowing what the future is going to hold you know <laughs> Be, you know I don't know I've I've it's kind of this 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 weird thing where in like business and in the idea of a, a entrepreneur right we we live in like a fake it till you make it culture right where the line is supposed to be like if i'm going to do an interview and people ask me oh man so what's going to be like on tour or how's the band doing you know you just man we're killing it it's going to be the greatest we're going to have a bigger number one single right like like the idea generally is to sell yourself and and sometimes you can kind of manifest those things in, in into reality and that's a really tough thing for me to do because i'm just not a bullshitty type of person I I keep things very much. I try and keep them in reality by while while remaining positive. You know, I remember I was a uh, bad or God forbid was opening up for for Lamb of God on the show. We were playing like Rhode Island somewhere, and you know, I was talking to Chris Allen. I was like, "Oh man, what's the what's the, what's the ticket sales looking like today?" He's like, "Sold out," <laughs> and uh, the show was not sold out. It was like I don't know, two hundred people in a maybe 500 cap room, but it's like that mentality, right? Is probably what helped catapult Lamb of God to where they they got because it's just this thing of like, oh no, we're winners and we're going to be winning. And even if the show is sold out, the story that the show is sold out is kind of meaningful. So it's, I don't know. I have a tough time kind of really embodying that mentality because it does help if you just go out and you just tell people everything's great they're like oh i guess everything's great (laughs) and by the way things are great so we played that first show and you know great crowd and then the second show we were in phoenix and it was kind of like a more dead crowd we felt like we had to work a little more everyone didn't wasn't as hyped up as the first show and we're all like you know kind of like you know kind of lukewarm and then you know end of the night we did like double the merchandise in the second show we did the first show 
And so things start kind of settling in and you're like, okay, man, this is this is pretty badass. And then the third show, we got to play in Vegas with Volbeat, which is one of my favorite bands, and big crowd, great energy. And we, you know, we got to, you know, the the Volbeat guys came in the room after the show and gave us some props and gave us some love. And that was a really gratifying. Uh, because, you know, you, you get kind of one opportunity and they were closing up their tour with Ghost. Uh, so to kind of make an impression on them was something I really wanted to do. Go out there and really have a have a great show. And and we did. So it's interesting, you know, having not been on, on the road in, in two years, just kind of figuring out my routines and how to be productive and how to maximize this time because you know there's covid restrictions where we're not really supposed to be uh socializing and kind of being out and doing that thing so it kind of some way forces you to focus your energies and how you kind of work your day and so that's what i've I've been doing i've been kind of really focusing on the social media stuff and getting content for that and now let me i mean truth be told it's like once We've, we've done a few shows, and, and the last show we did in um, in Utah like, was the best one yet. And then we had to cancel uh, Denver, or we postponed Denver for a couple of days, and then we and then we canceled our show in South Dakota, and uh, due to just weather stuff. But it's just a different feeling around the band, you know. I think. You know, to some degree, there's like a new kind of relearning everyone's rhythms and all that. You have a new new member, and you know, we all want to make sure DL's good. You know, he has a family, and we know how that 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 can be tough. So, you know, it's this like process of like reestablishing the culture around the band, and and when you're kind of excised of of negative energy, you have to uh, fill that with a different kind of energy. And the thing I kind of learned through this is like the way we got to this place and that's whether that's finishing the album or doing the artwork or just working on anything. It's, it's this, it's a collective endeavor of, of kind of like this really tight, grueling work, but doing it every day, (laughs) it just slowly takes form. And so that's how I'm kind of like understanding the, the touring end of, end of things is like, Man, it's like there is a lot of little work and little things that have to be done. But if you do them correctly and you're constantly working around the edges and and trying to improve all these different things, then it will it will see results. So it's, you know, I, I have to say at, at this point, I think we've kind of crossed every uh, test and, and passed with fairly fairly high marks being that the album and you know the album quality song quality and you know doing music videos and now we're touring and working on social media side of things and trying to make a better connection with the fans and so now all I see is potential and a lot of big potential because now I know as a live band we're solid and even better than solid actually because the man the band has never sounded this good and that's really exciting that's really exciting when you just know you're kind of performing at that highest level and 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 presenting 
a product to a paying audience that you can stand behind. And so I think a lot of questions have been answered in the last week. Um, and I definitely have to give a lot of love to the Papa Roach guys and Hollywood and Dead guys. I mean, those bands are very successful and they've been nothing but welcoming and gracious and supportive. And it's just, it's, it's, I can't explain to you how amazing it is to be on a tour with bands that are successful and there's no tension. There's no, oh, ego person, someone, you know, storming through the halls or yelling people. You know, there's none of that on this tour. It's just really good energy. And I tell you, man, it, it, the, the one thing I've kind of gotten out of this is just appreciating the, the fact that all this stuff can just go away at any point. And so I'm just like really taking it in and going, man, this is, this is a fucking cool job, man. It really is. Uh, I really love to play and I really love playing with other people. And when it's really functioning on all cylinders, man, it's a, it's, it's, it's badass, man. It's been cool just seeing, like I said, seeing the fans, like some of these songs we've never played and getting, being able to experience that and actually see, no, there's, there's a lot of fans of this band. And that's cool, man. It's really cool because until you see it in person, I feel like it doesn't feel real, you know. So this feels like a, a first step in a in a very long journey. We're already talking about the next record. We're trying to plan the rest of the year with with some other touring opportunities, and so it's it's just very, very, very exciting. So yeah, I think that's the that's the update from the tour so far. So. Uh, I'm going to talk a little more, but before that, we have a show sponsor. It's not a band, but it's my main man, Scott Bowling, with his YouTube show, Good Company. Check this out. Hey, guys. My name's Scott Bowling. I have a YouTube show called Good Company with Bowling. What's up? This is Clint Lowry from Seven Dust. Hey, what's up? This is Sonny Mayo. Hey, Ricky Rackman. And you're watching Good Company with Scott Bowling. I've interviewed bands like Limp Bizkit, Fozzie, Seven Dust. Corn. I've had Chris Farley's brother, Tom Farley, on the show. My show is kind of like a modern-day Wayne's World. Party! If you love a good interview, a good rock interview, or just any kind of interview, please, if you get a chance, check out my show, Good Company, with both. So there you have it. If you want to check out Scott's show, uh, yeah, just go on YouTube and search Good Company, and it's Scott Bowling with two T's, and the actual web page is youtube.com backslash C backslash Scott Bowling, Good Company. Uh, several guests that have been on this show have been on his show, whether it's Mark Rizzo from El Nino Sofly, Jose Mangan, um, Rich Ward from Fozzie, and I'm forgetting the name of the band. <laughs> Stuck Mojo. Good Lord. See, guys, not enough caffeine. And we're actually talking about myself going on there at some point, which would be a lot of fun. So go over there, check them out, tell them Doc Coyle sent you, and uh, let them know that the X-Man moves the needle. If you'd like to sponsor the show, shoot me an email at the X-Man podcast at gmail.com. Remember, that is 
E-X, or just send me a message on social media, and I'll probably just send you to the email address anyway. So uh, one thing I, I wanted to talk about, and this, I talked a little bit about this at the intro for my last podcast, and it was talking about the situation in Ukraine, and this was, I was speaking about it before the war had officially started, and you know, talking about my concerns and trying to kind of have some humility with the understanding of the way information passes and not jumping to too many conclusions. But, you know, we're, I won't say we, but they are, I guess, uh, 10 days into that war or something like that. And I'm, you know, between you you guys and myself, it's been really um, heartbreaking, you know, to kind of witness at whatever distance I am this occurrence, you know, I, I, I truly think this is the most da- uh, potentially dangerous and destabilizing military action that has taken place probably in my in my lifetime. I mean, I guess with with the exception of of that kind of the, the double dose of Iraq and Afghanistan and kind of how that has, a, of course, affected the world and affected uh America, America itself, but there's something about a land war in Europe to this magnitude uh, that feels, in my opinion, like the entire West itself is under attack. Um, you know, I, I made some comparisons to World War II and the Germans kind of um, imperial spread and assault and also sim- similar, uh, made some comparisons to the 2003 Iraq War. I'm pretty sure the war started in 2003. And using um, that idea of, of preemptive strike. And, you know, th- and this is so much worse, you know, in my opinion. And, and I guess, you know, and I hope that doesn't sound callous because, you know, that would kind of undermine the the devastation that that took place in Iraq and I and I certainly wouldn't want to do that um but I think it's important not to kind of make these comparisons one to one because it's very difficult to to do that the, it, all these situations have different histories and circumstances and to me it's in- interesting you know cuz I've you know, as I said in another one, I follow the reactions to something like this, and I kind of get a feel um, for 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 what's going on. Um, and one of the guys I'm following is, is Russell Brand, who I kind of hate watch because I I think he's a uh, I don't know there's something off with him, and <laughs> kind of actually he kind of reminded me is his mentality of, is was similar to the, the Riddler in the new Batman movie. I don't know if you guys have seen that. This this idea of, of kind of like um, accurately criticizing power and wealth, but the solution is kind of the destruction of that power and wealth, and, and then there's a lot of collateral damage with that, right? It's, I don't know, there's some, some kind of anar- anarchistic... Um, I don't know, like the the need for revolution, right? It's this idea that you have to tear things down to their core to have them re- rebuild, which is 
which is scary and, and, and dangerous if you're on the other end of that. Anyway, I feel like I'm going off on a, on a tangent. But one thing he said, you know, he, he, you know, he has such a uh, prescribed worldview, which is to see everything through the lens of COVID and culture war and saying, oh, well, it's a very complex situation. And to me, the situation in Ukraine and Russia is not very complex at all. It's fairly simple. Um, it's a bigger country with a bigger military invading another one to take it over. That's it. <laughs> That's what's happening. And it's like all these people who, you know, claim to be patriots. Something I'm like, you see, ever seen the movie Red Dawn? This is like that. Who's the good guys and who's the bad guys of Red Dawn? Think about it. I don't know if you've ever seen Red Dawn. It's a film about... <laughs> it's a a dark, twisted fantasy <laughs> about uh, Russians invading, like, the mid, you know, the Midwest or something, which is absolutely hilarious. Like, if there was a land invasion in America, that's what they do. They go take over Idaho, <laughs> which is absurd. Um, but it's 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 fairly simplistic in my in my measure. Um, and the thing about this is I don't we're not going to get too many just wars, meaning there's going to, there's very few and far between where there's going to be conflicts that require military attention that are actually have a morally righteous component to it. And to me, this is one of them. And which is why it reminds me so similarly of world war two. And what people kind of don't get is that generally uh, the people are are rarely for war unless they've been personally attacked. That's the way you kind of rally the populace, you know. And, and historically, in our country, at least, you needed to actually Congress needed to vote to go to war. That doesn't really exist anymore. Um, but you know, people often you know don't look at their history and the idea that no Americans did not want to get into World War Two. Right. Despite the fact of what what they may or may not have known about uh, the genocide taking place is that the truth is most people and I'm not saying this is illogical or wrong, per se, that, well, I'm not going to sacrifice myself for someone else's war. I think that's a survival mindset that is completely logical. Um, and. But the thing that's interesting kind of post the war on terror, post Iraq and and that kind of the neoconservative mentality about, you know, this is what like what a lot of people don't really get. Like when they think about the old George H.W. Bush speech where, where he coined the phrase the New World Order and they thought it was like, oh, it's like the Illuminati. It's a conspiracy. And it's like, no, it's actually not what he was saying. What he was saying was is that once the Soviet Union fell, it created this kind of conglomerate that we refer to as the West, right? Which is, uh, we're united by uh, democratic values, free open societies, free trade, capitalism, um, and this idea that through that, we're actually, um, we are kind of on the same page and where we become interdependent with each other. And by 
enforcing those values globally, you would get less conflict because everyone would go, well, hey, I'm not going to get in a war with China because they might make the things that we buy or so they wouldn't want to harm their own um, livelihood or their or sanctity be, because of that, that that interdependence in this globalized uh, connected world is what's going to help with peace, you know, and to a big degree, that's the way things went. But where it went wrong was through that other end of the neoconservative mentalities through that connectivity and the United States particular feeling than like the need to be the, you know, the actor that needs to keep order. We gotten, we get, you know, we become more militaristic and more imperialistic and it, you know, it creates this cycle of war and conflict, even when, and I think that rubs people the wrong way, even if the intentions are good. Right. And so you can kind of look back to, the first Iraq war, uh, where it's where Iraq invaded Kuwait. And I can look at that kind of, I, I feel like, to a very definitive degree and, and say, okay, those are the righteous types of wars where we you want to be able to stop the bully from bullying other places, you know? And some people will say, well, America doesn't have standing to say that because of what it did in Iraq. And... My view on that is, well, I didn't want to go to Iraq, so I can make whatever fucking argument I make, right? I'm consistent. And saying that, okay, well, they don't have standing, but I'm like, but you do understand these, it's a different group of people in power now, right? Like, not everyone is necessarily, like, the, the you know, the administration in, in power in 1990 is not the one responsible for the Vietnam War. <laughs> and the people in power now are not responsible for Iraq war, even though Joe Biden um, voted to go to Iraq, you know, so I'm sure he has does have some culpability on his hands for sure, even though he was very critical of George W. Bush's handling of that conflict. But it kind of puts in this this mindset of of, and I talked about this on last one is this this circle of blame. We're so so if I don't like Joe Biden, I don't like Democrats, I'm going to find a way to contort the situation, to go, well, this is why it's his fault. Um, and I find that to be a little bit ridiculous in this case, because obviously this is a conflict involving two countries that are not United States. People, well, it's his saber rattling <laughs> is what caused it. I'm like, you know, that's pretty narcissistic to think that you, by you, I don't, and I don't even know what the saber rattling, they imposed sanctions to you know, hopefully get them to stop going for more. That's the point of, of sanctions. And, you know, some people go like Trump is like, well, if I was in office, this wouldn't have happened. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline.
Well, hey, friends, my name is Zach Lupiton. You may know me from the band Dust Bowl Revival, but I also host a music discovery podcast called The Show on the Road. For the last five seasons, I've been able to dive deep and have intimate chats with folks like the Lumineers, Andy DeFranco, Wolfpack, Keb Moe, Lake Street Dive, Bela Fleck, and more. So guess what? After 150 conversations with some of my favorite songwriters from around the world, we are bringing brand new episodes to the Osiris Network. New interviews and intimate acoustic performances will be coming at you this summer. And which episodes are coming next, you ask? I am Zach Goody, the lead singer for the band Smash Mouth. Our band is called Milky Chance. We are based in Berlin. My name is David Shaw. I sing and write songs with my band, The Revivalists. Trust me, these conversations go some wild places. So subscribe to the show on the road on Osiris, and we'll see you soon. Hello, Tom May here, host of Future Friday. I've spent the last 15 years on the road with my band, The Menzingers, where I've met all kinds of wild and fascinating people. So I started a podcast. On Future Friday, I talked to fellow musicians about the moments that made them, their passions outside of music, and the curiosities that tie us all together. I've also talked to the likes of UFO researchers, magicians, soldiers, and documentary filmmakers, and I'm constantly searching for folks that can shape and change our view of the world. You can check out Future Friday wherever you like. And that is very, very interesting statement because, uh, because why? So are we saying that Putin wouldn't have invaded because he is scared of what Trump would do? And and so then if that's the case, it's like, well, so then what is the criticism against uh, Joe Biden? Because I've heard, well, the problem is he's too weak. So you're saying we should go to war. We should put troops in and then they'll say no 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 we don't want to do that well i'm like then what are you saying (laughs) like there there's no actual logic here it's just about kind of pinning someone you don't like into contorting the facts in a way that you can go well they're doing it wrong and i think this is a situation where they've actually done it probably about as right as you can um without actually putting troops on the ground or giving them air support you know, and, you know, because of that idea of, well, Putin is going, you know, he's going to start a nuclear war. And I still find that very, very hard to believe. But that's like kind of like the one mistake you can't get wrong. Right. Um, is it even worth calling the bluff? Right. Because what it what it would indicate is that he is gone. He's he's mentally ill. He is willing to forego the existence of Russia altogether as a functional society to just prove his point. Um, and what you're kind of seeing, and this is the, you know, some of these excuses and they go, Oh, well, the problem is NATO overreach. And I'm like, okay, but the reason <laughs> why they want to be in NATO was to prevent this exact thing. And that's the reason why he doesn't want them in NATO, so that he could do this, you know. And he, the and the truth is, uh, from a geopolitical standpoint, and where Ukraine is affixed, essentially, if he loses the Ukraine, then Russia's place as a world player becomes 
infinitely diminished. So that's why it's being positioned as a kind of end game scenario where he either needs to have enough influence where he goes, well, they're neutral, which he, what he claims to want, but I don't think that's the truth. I think he actually wants a Russia friendly government. And that's his plan. His plan right now, more than likely, is to not even take over Ukraine. Go, oh, it's Russia. His plan is to get in there, have the the war do its effects, get Zelensky out of there, whether they kill him or whatever, in, uh, implement a Russian stooge government, and then they could do all the shit he wants them to do and essentially be a Russian state if it's not even that under name only. You know, this is what he did when he, he had those two uh, air areas added. Uh, or or they're, they're independent nations. I forget the names of them. Donbass and the other one. So, and this, uh, and the reason why I'm talking about this, and this is what, like, I don't get, like, you get these people who, who are, you know, the fucking Russell Brands and people like this. The Tim Pools and, and Dave Rubens who care so much about some truckers in Canada, right? <laughs> or someone who got tackled in Australia, right? They care so much about that. But then this, when people are dying by, you know, by the hundreds and thousands, oh, that's not, that's not your uh, business. I mean, that, that the level of hypocrisy there is just out of control because this... The truth is, it's like, a, I'm sorry, a bunch of truckers causing a problem for some fucking mandates that are probably going to, like, evaporate within the next six months. Like, it's not even going to be an issue. You know? It, it This will affect everything. You see how, you know, because we are so inter, in, interconnected uh, with energy and supply chains and all this stuff in our economies... You know this this situation will is a it will impact everything. You know I'm a I'm an international touring artist. You know that will affect where we can play, what countries we can go to. This could reestablish the global order. This is extremely scary, and at the worst case scenario, it could literally mean uh, the end of the world as we know it. So I don't really see how how any story is more important than this or why you shouldn't care you want to bury your head head in the sand you know and ultimately the way i i view it is when you have people like this reckless violent bullies you have to punch them in the fucking nose because they won't stop because the only thing they recognize is strength you know and if they can take this What's to stop them from taking the next place? Just because they can. Because they know, oh, we got nukes. So don't do it. You know? It really fucking infuriates me. You know? And I want to give a shout out to Ginger, Ukrainian band, who put their whole career on hiatus so that they could focus on this effort to support their their country. And uh, I bought a t-shirt should uh, check out their socials and uh, see how you can support. I mean, there's definitely other ways I, I want to try and support this cause. Um, but I don't think I've seen a more righteous cause um, in a very long time. 
perhaps in my in my in my lifetime and um and I totally understand uh the the criticism around maybe people like myself uh in the west who prioritize um a country that we feel is more quote unquote European and where you know where are we when the you know there's atrocities happening in Syria and Yemen um in North Africa and all these different places and why we feel so invested. And I, I get that, uh, criticism, you know? Um, and I, and I get the, the criticism around the idea of the U S being the world police, um, and going, well, you can't solve every problem. We don't have the resources. We don't have the will. Um, but I am also of the mind, you know, you want to, uh, stem small problems when they're still small, you know, and you go, well, because <laughs> it's like, oh, well, you want to fix that uh, faucet? It's got a, it's, it's a leak. It's a leak. It's a little, it's dripping and stop the leak before it becomes a flood. That's the way I look at things. Um, and I'm just one person. Obviously I'm not um, in control of any ability to, truly affect this, um, this effort, but it, it is, it's hard to feel this, this helpless. We have something like this going on. So I just, I feel for the Ukrainian people and you know what? I feel for the Russian people too, because they're not being given an accurate representation of what's going on. I knew if they knew the truth of it, they wouldn't want any part of it. Um, and ultimately I think they're the ones that have the most power to, to affect this from within, but they need the information to be able to do that. But yeah, my heart goes out to the entire country of Ukraine. You shouldn't have to be dealing with this bullshit. I thought we were over this stuff, you know? Um, but unfortunately our power structures are still dominated by small men with fucking pitiful egos. And they, they, they're filled with pride that yearns for glory. And uh, it fucking infuriates me. So I just, I wish there was more I could do, you know, because everything feels so uh, symbolic and, you know, uh, hashtag activism, which... You know, it's there to make you, you look good to your friends, but is it does it really help the scenario you're kind of looking at? So I don't know. I've I've said this a million times. I'm not an activist, but I haven't there hasn't been an issue or something going on that I felt was this important. And and I'll say that with whether it's the Black Lives Matter thing, you guys heard me say on here, I was you know, I had a lot of differing thoughts on that. Or any the, the the litany of issues, whether it's you know uh, Occupy Wall Street or you know a lot of people now their issues are hey I'm I'm against the mandates or you know, that's their issue whatever your issue is, um, but this is something that that for the for, actually I see it the first time since the Iraq War and Afghanistan War that I've felt this passionately about something because to me it's not about peace as uh, you know, some bumper sticker that kind of is, is not meaningful. 
within you know how the world works. I, I always said I was a probably a pacifist as a young person, and I've I've evolved on that as I've gotten older because I understand uh, pacifism is only useful at certain times, but it, it does not work when you're being trying to be dominated and eradicated, you know, and sometimes you got to stop the bully because no one else is going to stop them. So anyway, I don't, I don't know um, if I brought any, any, any wisdom or anything, but it was just kind of going through how I felt about that situation and how I feel about it. So with that said, I'm going to get out of here. Thank you for listening. And I'm going to try and get some more interviews done on this tour. Obviously the, the playing and performing takes precedent, uh, but now that I'm settled in, I think it'll be easier to kind of knock some of this out. And there will be a lot of downtime, so should be fairly easy. But you guys have an excellent week. Stay safe and keep it positive. Keep the love popping. Stay close to the people that you care about. And uh, say your prayers and eat your vitamins. Mamba's out. Blast off!
Hey, this is Aaron from No Simple Road. I'm inviting you to come hang out with Apple, Mel, and I as we talk with the musicians, artists, chefs, authors, and beyond from the world that turns us on. We're reaching into the improvisational music scene, the psychedelic culture, the festival world, and getting to know what makes the people tick that create those scenes. Come join us on the long, strange trip over at No Simple Road.